1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. The name of mind is alert. My spirit is receptive as I'm taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. may be seated. If you would turn your Bibles to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. We've been saying, we've been confessing that just as we did not participate in COVID, we're not going to participate in any downturn. We're not going to participate in any recession. That has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with our families. It has nothing to do with our work. It has nothing to do with Faith Christian Center or St. Paul's. You know, back in the late 80s when the church was at I-30, and Northfield wrote, when there was that downturn, my father had a sign put up on the church's marquee that said, we choose not to participate in this recession. And back, back in the late 80s, people were angry about that. People would, would call the, the church office and be upset, be angry, and say, well, who do you think you are that you choose not to participate in this recession? Well, we know from the Word of God that we will have what we say. Amen? And so we're blessed. The world's doing what they're doing, but we're walking in the blessing of God. Our, one of our launching scriptures in this series has been Mark 4 and verse 28. is one of Smith Wigglesworth's favorite verses. Mark 4, 28. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. The Bible says in Genesis that as long as the earth endures, there will be seed time and harvest. This is a law. This is a principle that our Heavenly Father put in the world. And that principle can work for you or it can work against you. But I, I want it to work for me, amen? As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest will never cease. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. If you'll stay with it, if you'll work the plan of God, if you'll walk in righteousness over time, the harvest will manifest. And as you continue to be faithful and consistent, the harvest will grow and grow and grow. Say this, say, God is my source. Say, I'm going to give that I may receive 
And once my seed is planted, I'm going to expect a harvest. I'm going to believe God for a harvest. Now, if you're moral and a tither and industrious, what is the difference between Christians who make dramatic progress versus those who just seem to be kind of blessed year after year? The answer is in this series. Luke 5, beginning in verse 1, it says, One day as Jesus was with, was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. That was Peter. And he asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. Now, he thought he was telling Jesus something he didn't know, but he, he told him, he said, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, why don't we say this? Say, when they had done so. So when they had done what Jesus said to do, you can say it this way, when they had taken action, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Well, Jesus had their attention at this point. And we've all experienced a moment in life like this where you've done everything you know to do. You've done your best. You've given your best. You have put a lot of effort or work into something and it hasn't produced. And it's morning and the nets are empty. And Jesus comes along, he tells them, he gives them instructions, and it says they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. Well, that's God. That is a miracle of provision. Verse 7, so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. They came and filled both boats so full, they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Amazing. So they, they fished for a living, and yet they had been out all night, had caught nothing, worried about provision, and then... In a moment, such a wonderful miracle, they catch so many fish that they, they feel comfortable enough to leave their boats and their nets behind to follow Jesus, knowing that if they followed Jesus, there would never be lack or not enough ever again. Peter was a fisherman. Fishing was his business. Fishing was the family business. I always tell the young people, don't, don't picture going on a recreational fishing trip. You got to picture something like deadliest catch, fishing for a living, working for a living. And some days you're more successful than other days. And he and his men had worked all night. They had worked hard all night and they had not caught anything. So Peter had a need. Peter had a financial need. And we, we know elsewhere in the gospels that Peter had a mother-in-law, which means Peter had a wife, he had a family, 
And any man who was a Jewish man in the first century with a mother-in-law, the wife would have had children. So he had people counting on it. They had gone out all night. They had fished all night. And they had caught nothing. So he had a need. He had a financial need. And Jesus asked him for his boat. So Peter's boat became his seed of faith. So many people, and so many people who love the Lord have the mentality that, that if they serve the Lord, they're going to do without. That if they serve the Lord, they're going to be needy. That if they serve the Lord, they're going to be hungry. That if they sor- serve the Lord, they're not going to be well-clothed or well-fed. But notice, that's not what we see here in the Gospels. He, he lent his boat to Jesus. He gave his boat to Jesus as a seed of faith. He sowed his boat to Jesus, and Jesus used that boat to preach the gospel. And then Jesus gave the boat back, saying, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. So Jesus multiplied Peter's giving by filling that empty boat, plus another, with a record catch of fish. Launch out into the deep in faith. Launch out into the deep in faith. Throw over your nets, and I will do the rest. Now, now none of this makes sense in the natural. They were already out there. They had already fished all night. They had not been successful. They had been unproductive. And yet Jesus says, go out again, and you'll have a record catch of fish. So Jesus was saying what we saw in Hebrews last Sunday. Surely, blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply me. Why don't we say that? Say, my heavenly Father, he wants to bless me. Say, my heavenly Father wants to multiply me. We just have to cooperate. We just have to listen. We just have to obey. We just have to be led. And even when you say, well, I've done this and I don't have anything to show for it, when Jesus says one more time, you just have to go with what he says and do what he says and obey what he says because if you will, provision is coming. If you will, a miracle is coming. If you will, a record catch of fish is coming. Peter was a commercial fisherman. Fishing was his business. And surely he understood Jesus' language about the deep. That's where the big fish are. When our family was just on vacation, you know, last year we went out on a boat to go fishing, and the waves were rough. It didn't go so well. And Jessica, when she was pregnant with Samuel, she just prayed that the peace of God would be upon him. And so on that trip the previous year, you know, people were vomiting over the side of the boat, and Samuel was just sitting there asleep. You know, the boat was doing this. He's just passed out asleep. Peace of God upon him. Well, we, we ended up turning around, going back. And so this past year, he, he kept talking about wanting to fish. I, I want to go fishing. I want to go fishing. And, and I, I just thought, man, I don't really want to do that. But, but it's hard to say no to a child. And so we, we got signed up again. We went back out again and praise God. It was calmer. And we went out far. And the, I knew the water was deep. When, it, when it's deep, dark blue, you know it's deep. Don't want to fall in there. And so we're out there, and we're, we're reeling fish in. And uh, Jessica and my father and I, we were having a hard time. So, you know, when we're working, you just picture some ginormous fish. And you feel a little disappointed when you work so hard and it comes in, it's like this big. (laughs) 
So these, these men were not recreational fishing. They, they needed fish to put food on the table for their families. They needed fish to sell for the provision of their families and the people that were their partners and the people that worked for them. And Peter understood when Jesus said, let's go out to the deep, he understood what that meant. That's where the big fish are. The problem is when you're out in the deep and you're, you're out there for hours and hours and hours and hours and you don't catch anything. When we went out, we, had, we caught some good fish, some decent sized fish, but nothing on the biggest line. And then they put down some big bait and we were out there and for hours, and then finally Sophie went and laid down to take a nap. Then my father went and take, took a nap. And uh, Jessica said, you better tell them we need to go back because they're not going to be happy if they wake up. We're still out there in the middle of nowhere. And so I, I understand being out there hours, doing everything you know to do, and there's nothing. But we weren't counting on that to feed any of us. We got back, had the fish we caught. They asked if we wanted to keep it. No. So they had been unproductive. Jesus said to go out to the deep. Peter, though, did not know the principle that we're learning about. Peter did not know the principle of seed faith given, that our Heavenly Father multiplies seeds given in faith. Why don't we say that? Say, my Heavenly Father, He multiplies seeds given in faith. Surely Peter knew about tithing. Good Jews tithed and gave 10% to God. The tithe, as we've learned, is a payment due, a thanksgiving of 10% after the harvest of increase. The tithe is a seed that is owed, whereas an offering is a seed that is given or a seed that is sowed. So surely Peter tithed and knew that he owed the Lord 10%, but Peter did not know about the benefits of giving above and beyond. Peter did not know about seed faith giving. His boat was empty. His nets were worn. His men and business partners were discouraged. You, know, you, you picture in your mind what's going to happen. You know, that, that day we went out, I think we were out four and a half hours. We caught some fish. I'm thankful for what we caught. But I pictured bigger in my mind. Giant swordfish, giant sailfish. I know Samuel wanted to catch a shark. I didn't want to catch a shark. Amen. But again, we weren't counting on any of that. They had been out all night and had caught nothing. They were discouraged. Peter said to Jesus, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Say this, say, if I will give God my best, my heavenly Father will give me his best. And we have to remind ourselves to always look to the Lord. Praise God for the job. Praise God for the income. Praise God for this or that, but the, we have to remind ourselves that the Lord is our source. And when there's a need, when we need help, we have to remind ourselves to look to the Lord, to go to the Lord for help. The Bible says that our help cometh from the Lord. Was Peter a hard worker? Yes. Was he a tither? Surely. Was he a man with a financial need? Yes. Was he a man that understood, he knew the futility of his own efforts. Yes, Peter did not yet know and realize that Jesus was the Son of God. He did not yet know or realize that Jesus was introducing a new way of life. Jesus came and he said, I have fulfilled the law. 
And Jesus said in John 10, 10, that he had come that we might have life and that we might have that life more abundantly. Peter did not yet know that. In your life, whatever your present circumstances, you can live a life of harvest. As Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You can live a life of blessing and multiplication, as it says in Hebrews 6. Surely, blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. Jesus knew the boat was empty and the nets were worn. Jesus knew that Peter was discouraged and that he had a need. But Jesus also knew that he had come to bring men like Peter life and life more abundantly. Our Heavenly Father wants to multiply your efforts. So you may be discouraged, but don't be discouraged. You may be downcast, but don't be downcast. The Bible says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. There comes a point where you just have to rise up and look to the Lord as your source. Look to the Lord as your supply. Look to the Lord for your help. There, there comes a point where you have to say, whatever the need, whatever the circumstances, I know my Heavenly Father will provide. I know that my Heavenly Father will multiply my efforts. You may have come to the place where you say, I've done everything I know to do. I've done it in my own strength and my own ability. Well, that gives the Lord room then to move in your life, to look to him, to ask him for help, to ask him for the answer, to ask him to provide. Look at John 10, 10. Jesus said, I am come that they might have. Why don't we say that? Say, say have. I am come that they might have. I am come that you might have. And that's amazing because so often we hear men of God say, lead us to believe that we're supposed to do without. We're supposed to be in need. We're supposed to be in lack. We're supposed to be in want. And yet Jesus said in John 10, 10, I am come that they might, that you and I might have. Say, say my heavenly father wants me to have. The kids were all home this week, and so Jessica took them with her to run errands. Now, if I did that, it'd be very dangerous. Anytime I go to the store, somehow it's always more than what Jessica spends. I don't understand that. And I see the, the yellow displays that say, if you buy so many, it's this price. And she's always telling me, Austin, you think you're getting a deal, but you're not. Don't buy more than we need. She took them to Sam's, which I thought was very bold, very adventurous. But think about it, in their minds, in, in Samuel's mind or in Michaela's mind, they, they don't walk around the store thinking about cost. They, they don't walk around the store thinking about price. They, they saw special red, white, and blue chips. So now we have red, white, and blue chips for tomorrow at the house. <laughs> Samuel saw red, white, and blue Captain Crunch, which I know is not healthy. I cannot believe Jessica bought it, but we have that at the house. When they got to the meat aisle, he, apparently he shouted out, sausages! <laughs> there was another man there that was walking by, just burst out laughing, couldn't contain his laughter. But, but in their minds, they, they have, they receive, they get anything they want or desire. But think about it. Jessica and I's resources aren't limitless, but we know the one who is. Our Heavenly Father's resources are limitless and he wants us to have 
He wants us to be well-fed. He wants us to be well-clothed. He wants us to be well-provided for. He wants us to have more than enough so we can be a blessing, so we can be a blessing to the kingdom of God, so we can be a blessing to our family, so we can be a blessing to those in need. I have come that they might have. Say, say Jesus came so that I might have. And he goes on to say life. And, and what kind of life? Life more abundantly. So you got to give up the mentality of being in need or being in lack or doing without. He wants you to have, not just what you need. And as I read in that testimony before the message, he wants us to have the desires of our hearts. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Remember Mark chapter 11 when Jesus taught the prayer of faith and he said, whatsoever things, who desires? Whatsoever things you desire. When you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. So our, our children went to the store of Jessica and they saw all these things they desired for the 4th of July. Well, they're there, they're waiting for them for, for tomorrow. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. In Luke 9 and verse 56, Jesus told his disciples, for the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Say it again. Say, I will give God my best. Say, I will have my heavenly Father's best. The Bible says in James 1 and verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above. So we have to renew our minds to that. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Jesus said in Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel, if we, though we are evil, not perfect, sinful, fallen, if we Though we are evil, know how to give good gifts unto our children. How much more will our Father in heaven give good things to those who ask? The Apostle John wrote in 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prosper. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 4 and verse 19, But my God shall supply how many of our needs? All. And that's just as true in 2022 as it was in 2021 or 2020 or 2010. And some things, sometimes I'll hear people say things, or I, I saw a post on Facebook, it didn't have the year, so I don't know what year this was about, you know, someday back in the past when a, a house cost just a few thousand dollars. Those days are gone forever. And I hate to break it to you, but we're, we're not gonna wake up tomorrow and things cost half of what they cost today. So you just have to deal with the real and in the midst of it, look to Father God as your source and Father God as your supply and renew your mind to what the word of God says. But my God shall supply. How many of our needs? Says so say all, all, all of our needs according to his, whose riches? According to his glorious riches by Christ Jesus. The New Testament is clear. Jesus came that we might have life and life more abundantly. And Jesus demonstrated that abundant life. He met the needs of people. He healed their sicknesses and diseases. He restored them and he set the captives free. Jesus constantly met people at their point of need. And he'll do the same thing in your life today. Whatever the need is, whatever the worry is, whatever the prayer request is, he will meet you at your point of need. 
Just as he met people in the Gospels at their point of need, today in your life, in your home, in your family, in your circumstances, he will meet you at your point of need, whatever it is. Maybe it's a financial need, he will provide. Maybe you need healing in your body, he will provide. Maybe you need restoration in your marriage or, or with a child or in your home or family, he will provide. In getting ready to bless or multiply, you'll see in the Gospels that Jesus would often first ask the individual to do something. So we have a part to play. So say, I have a part to play. There are many believers, and they, they love the Lord. Yes, and they say they love the Lord, but if you evaluated their lives, they're not doing their part. We have to do our part. But when you do your part, you can have complete confidence that God will bring his promises to pass in your life. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, and he shared how wherever he went, whatever the needs, whatever the circumstances, they were a blessing to him and to his ministry. And he told the church at Philippi, you have participated with me in the matter of giving and receiving. And it was to that church, that group of believers, he wrote the promise inspired by the Holy Spirit and said, and my God shall supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So when you go to the store and it costs 10% more than last year, 20% more than last year, and you're, you're evaluating, do I get this? Do I get that? Where do I save money? You have to remind yourself that if you're doing your part, tithing, walking in covenant with God, being a blessing, that you have every right to believe God for his promises to be at work in your life and to say, my God is supplying all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. In one of our vehicles, I, I remember when I go fill it up from empty to full, and it would be $47 or whatever. Not anymore. But when you're doing your part, you have to stand there and know you're doing your part so you have every right to believe the promises of God and to say, my God, not only shall, he is supplying all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Jesus there on that day, there was a large crowd and he had compassion on the crowd. He cared for them. He cared for their needs. He wanted them to all be able to hear and see him. And so he asked Peter for his boat. Jesus also cared about Peter. Jesus cared for the men, the partners that were working with Peter. He cared for their needs. They had worked hard all night. Their nets were worn. Their boat was empty. If the boat had been full, Jesus could not have demonstrated this miracle. Jesus could not have demonstrated the miracle of seed faith giving. So uh, we, we could see a need as a negative thing, but you can turn it around and see it positively I learned this from my parents growing up, a need, uh, any situation, it's just another opportunity to prove the word of God is true. And so you could be negative or you could be positive. You could be negative or you could be positive and say what the word of God says. This is just another opportunity to prove the word of God is true. There's a need, yes, but my heavenly father is going to provide. There's a need, yes, but my heavenly father, he's going to do a miracle on our behalf. Jesus is interested 
and the empty boat in your life. Jesus looks at needs differently. You see a need. You see lack or not enough. But Jesus sees an opportunity to work a miracle. He sees an opportunity to supply your need with a miracle. Most people look at needs and become negative. They say, why? They say, woe is me. They say, why has this happened to me? They say, surely I did not deserve this. But Jesus looks on every need positively. Did Jesus' needs exist to be met? Say, say, why don't we say that? Say, needs exist to be met. Say it again. Say, needs exist to be met. So it's a discipline for all of us to look to the Lord, to lift up our eyes, and whatever level God has blessed us with, to believe God that he's going to bless us at greater levels. To Jesus, a need is not something to discourage you. To Jesus, a need, whatever it is, to Jesus, a need is a legitimate claim upon the resources of heaven to meet your need in full and to prove the word of God is true. A need gives you the opportunity to present a claim to heaven for heaven's resources to meet the need to bring a miracle to pass. Needs exist to be met. Why don't we say that again? Say, needs exist to be met. Don't, don't fear a void. Don't worry about a void. When there's a need, when there's a void, when there's an empty place, give God the opportunity to fill it. When we try to do things in our own strength, we get in trouble. When we try to meet needs in our own strength, we get in trouble. Let the Lord meet the need. Let the Lord fill the void. Let the Lord fill the boat, whatever it is. As Paul wrote, but my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When you're a tither, when you walk in covenant with Almighty God, when you're a giver, when you have seed faith in the ground above and beyond your tithe, the moment you have a need, God's shall supply promise goes into effect. Say this, say, the more I give, the more I will have. You know, you would think, if you picture in your mind, the most stingy, selfish person you know, personally. Now, we're not going to put their picture on the screen. It's okay. But amongst the people you know, family, friends, relatives, if you, you picture in your mind the stingiest, most selfish, most ungenerous person you know, well, wouldn't you think that after five or ten years of being selfish, stingy, or not generous, they would have more than what they have now? But isn't it amazing that the person you know, that they're never a blessing, they're never generous, they're always selfie, they're always stingy, that year after year after year, they, they don't pull ahead. You would, you would think by pinching every penny, they would have more. But see, that's not how our Heavenly Father designed the system. Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given unto you. The Bible says a generous man, what kind of man? A generous man will prosper. But the Bible also talks about that those, those who hold on too tightly will lose everything that they have. These are principles that God put in place in the earth. Say it again. Say, the more I give, the more I will have. And then you have the per They're just generous. They're just a blessing. And they just seem to have more year after year. God seems to bless them to greater degrees every year. So do not despair. Do not worry. 
In Matthew 6, Jesus repeatedly said, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, which means do not worry. And maybe that's something you need to read and study and renew your mind to. In 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, Peter wrote, cast all your anxiety on him. On who? The Lord. And it's the same Peter we're reading about in Luke chapter 5. They had fished all night. They had caught nothing. And that day, Peter met the master of provision. And he wrote in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety, every care, every worry, every concern, every need, every fear, cast all your anxiety on who? On him, on the Lord, because he cares for you. Needs exist to be met. Why don't we say that again? Say, needs exist to be met. Say, the more I give, the more I will have. If you hold on too tightly, you're not going to pull ahead. And I said that last Sunday that in these days, things cost more, expenses going up. One natural human reaction could be to be cheap, to be a cheapskate. But with what they have done and the money printing and the percentages, you can't make up the difference being cheap with your wife or husband or being cheap with your children. You're going to have to believe God. You're going to have to look to the Lord as your source and as your supply. You're going to have to learn how to walk by faith. So far, we've learned three principles in this series. Number one, God is the source of your supply. Say that. Say, God is my source. Say, God is the source of my supply. Number two, we've learned that God wants to be first in your life and in your giving. And when you give, give it as seed faith. And number three, we've learned that when you give, expect a miracle. You know, when a farmer plants, he plants in expectation of a miracle. And, and there's so much religiosity. Well, Austin, it's wrong to give to get. And Austin, if you do give, you shouldn't expect anything in return. That is just religious hypocrisy and nonsense. An intelligent farmer plants and works and sows and cultivates knowing that if he'll do his part, there's a harvest on the way. Only a stupid farmer would plant and not expect a harvest. So in my life, I'm an intelligent farmer. Jesus said, give and it will be. So I give that it may be given unto me. And that might irritate the devil. It might irritate a religious person. But it's God's plan, and it works. And we have, we have five children, and this fall they'll all be here at St. Paul's. And there's no favoritism here. Jessica and I get the same employee discount any other church or full-time school employee gets. And so in our lives, the children and them being here, that is a major cost. That is a major expense. And it's not just their tuition. It's clothes, it's uniforms, it's backpacks. You know, Emily's going to need a backpack for the fall. She's going to need one with her name on it. And she likes Encanto just as much as Rapunzel, so I don't know if she's going to need two. <laughs> they need provision. They need, they need the uniforms. They need their supplies. So that is a major point of need in our lives. And so one of the things that Jessica and I do is we sow twice a month into the St. Paul's Scholarship Fund believing that because we're sowing, we're going to reap a harvest of provision for our children. That by being a blessing to the children of others, our children will be well provided. 
and well taken care of. This was maybe five years ago, but there, there was a year that my father let Jessica and I know that he was going to take care of the kids' tuition. And at that point, it was just Sophie and Michaela. And so we let them know, make sure you tell grandpa and grandma, thank you, they're, they're taking care of your tuition this year. And, and Michaela, she, she wanted to know if that included sausage rolls in the cafe for the year. <laughs> so whatever the limits are here, our Heavenly Father wants to do more. And we need to remind ourselves to have faith like a child. And religion, it'll convince you you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough, that, that, that you only qualify for this amount of blessing, but our Heavenly Father wants to do so much more in your life. He wants to do exceedingly, abundantly above all you can ask, think, or imagine. And like that testimony, maybe you need to listen to your children and what they're believing God for and what they're, they're expecting from the hand of God. We see these principles in Luke 5. Peter and these men did not know to look to the Lord as their source and supply. They looked to themselves, to their own experience, to their own knowledge, to their, no, their own efforts. And no doubt they tithe, but they did not know that they could give above and beyond for a harvest. They did not yet know, Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, who uses? The measure you use. It will be measured to you. Say it again. Say, the more I give, the more I will have. As fishermen, they knew the law of seed time and harvest, but they had never applied it to their giving to God. Seed faith giving is sowing and reaping. We give that we may receive. Yes, we give that we may receive. And the harvest is always greater than the seed. Pastor Sue constantly says, what we give to God never remains small. Jesus said in Matthew 17 and verse 20, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. A seed only remains small if it's not planted. Remember Easter Sunday? Remember when my father and I brought those packets of seeds in? A seed only remains small if it remains in the packet or if it's not planted. But even the tiniest seed will produce a much larger harvest. What we give to God never remains small. James L. Kraft, and if you're like our family, you think of Kraft, you think of Kraft mac and cheese, James L. Kraft once said, the only investment I ever made which has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money I have given to the Lord. Our Heavenly Father's Word becomes a living reality as we take action upon it. And too many believers, they acknowledge the truth of God's Word, but they never step out in faith and take action. Look again at Luke chapter 5, and look again at specifically what Luke wrote in Luke chapter 5, Luke 5 and verse 6, or verse 5 actually. Peter said, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so. We don't need to understand it. We don't need to be able to explain it all. Don't need to be able to put it in a spreadsheet or in a flow chart. Peter said, Lord, because you say so, I will let down the nets. Verse 6, when they had done so when they had obeyed, when they had taken action, when they had done what Jesus said do, 
They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And praise God, our Heavenly Father's no respecter of persons. What he does for one, he'll do for another. And he wants us to have an abundance. He wants us to have more than enough. That, that was more fish than they had probably ever caught before. But that is what our Heavenly Father does. Please bow your heads. You might be here today. Yes, even on a holiday weekend Sunday. Perhaps you're here. And you've heard about the goodness of God. You've heard about the love of God. You've heard about the fact that God wants to bless you. But all of that begins by becoming a part of the family of God. And there's only one way to do that. This world that we live in, it'll tell you that you can believe whatever you want, that you can come up with your own path to God, your own way. But friend, that is a lie. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. The only way to be saved, the only way to be a part of the family of God is by giving your life to Jesus, by asking him to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. If you're here today and say, Austin, I've never done that, but I want to. I want to be a part of the family of God. If that's you this morning, wherever you're seated, raise your hand to let me know. You want, you want to pray with me. You'd like to ask Jesus into your life and into your heart. You might also be here today in a time in your life, you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, but you know in your heart you've not been living for the Lord. You've been doing your own thing. And because you've been doing things your way, your choices, your decisions, trying to meet needs on your own without the help of God, you're, you're in trouble, you're in need, you're worried, you're jammed up. The Bible says that the mercies of God are new every morning. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can leave here today knowing you have peace with God. You can leave here today knowing you have a fresh start and a new beginning. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me, pray with me. I know I need to make things right with God. I want to recommit my life. That's you wherever you're seated. Raise your hand so I'll know you want me to pray with you. For the sake of the young man that raised his hand, any others, we're going, we're going to pray. Repeat this prayer after me. If you're watching or listening online, repeat, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I repent of my sins and I give you my life. Time's gone by. I've gone my own way. I've done my own thing and I've paid the price. But today, I give my life to you. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. Thank you for a new beginning and a fresh start. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're watching or listening online, you prayed the prayer with us now or later. You can go to the address on the screen. We want to be a blessing to you. We'll send you a Bible if you don't have a Bible. And we'll also bless you with a copy of my father's book, God's Very Own Child. We have it available in English or in Spanish. It's short, easy to read, but it'll help you get started in this new life, live for God. We want to be a blessing to you. I hope the message today was a blessing and encouragement to you. <laughs> say this, say, our God will provide. Say, my heavenly father, he loves me 
He's for me. He's with me. He knows what everything costs. He knows what everything will cost next month. And he wants to provide. Not just enough, but more than enough. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.